0: excited to be a part of the You've Got Mail series. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Revelation. We've been talking about seven letters from God to seven churches and how God speaks to us today. And today we'll be talking about the church in Thyatira. And so I got to practice saying that. That's a hard one to say. But hey, let's ask God to bless. Father, we love you. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for what you do. Lord, we thank you for your word uh, that you love us so much. God, you tell us uh, not only who you are, but what you want for our lives. And so God, as we open up your word today, we also open up our hearts and pray that you would speak to us clearly and God give us the strength and courage to respond in a way that pleases you. We ask it all in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, so before we start reading uh, in, in the, about the church in Thyatira, which I know you're all in the edge of your seat, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, But you ever seen one of those movies where nothing really makes sense till the end? It's like all this stuff and then something happens at the end and and all of a sudden everything makes sense. That's great for a movie. Uh, Didn't want to do that today. That's not really what church is about. I don't want to keep you guessing for the next hour and a half as I preach. And just want to see if anybody caught that. I promise I won't go that long. Okay. Hey, so let me give you the main point and then we're going to talk about Thyatira. Here's what we're talking about today. God disciplines his children so that we can reach our full potential in Him. God disciplines His children so that we can reach our full potential in Him. We're gonna talk about God's discipline, why He does it and, and what He does. He does it so that we can reach our full potential. It's always for our own good, but it's not just for our good, for our good, it's for our good so that He can use us. So I want you to get that before we read what God said to Thyatira. So in Revelation chapter two, Verse 18, it says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. We're gonna talk about the fear of the Lord a little bit. And it's interesting that God just doesn't say, hey, here's what you need to know. He always starts off with saying, here's who I am. We can't understand anything that he wants for us till we understand who he is. Verse 19, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Now, uh, let, me, let me read. By, by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Now, let me give you some background to that. Most scholars believe there's not a lot that we know about Thyatira, but it was a port city with a lot of trade. There were a lot of craftsmen in, in Thyatira, metal workers, woodworkers, uh, cloth. They would make clothing, things like that, trade it back and forth. And so here's the cultural thing they were dealing with. If you were kind of a certain tradesman, those tradespeople would get together, for lack of a better word, have these club meetings, you know, Kind of we call today a union, but they didn't really fight for rights. They just kind of talked about business. So here's the problem. They'd come talk about business and then being the Roman Empire in the first century and the religious culture that it was, they'd talk about business and then they'd go pray to an idol for a little bit. And then they would eat some food that had been sacrificed to an idol. And then with that food, they probably had some alcohol and then it turned into a party and then they start doing all this crazy stuff and forgot about all the business they talked about at the beginning. All right, so here's the deal. It's hard to make a living in the city if you're not part of that club. So what do you do if you're a Christian and you wanna make a living and provide for your family and you've been a metal worker all your life, but if you go to the metal workers meeting, all this crazy stuff is going on. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I've been wondering about that for 20 years. Okay, that's not what we're talking about today. But here's what Jezebel did. Now, most people don't believe that that was actually her name. That's a name, that's a symbolic name that God gives to her here. That there was a leader in the church and they call her Jezebel, that basically was saying, go do anything you want. God wants you to make a living. God wants you to be blessed. Go to those parties, go to those meetings. They they sacrifice food to idols, go ahead and eat that food. They get involved in some crazy stuff, man, go ahead and party with them, that's all right. And so as she was teaching this and people were getting involved, not only was she hurting herself, she was hurting the church. Does that make sense? So that's what God is speaking to her here. Now, remember we said we're gonna talk about discipline. So uh, verses 21 through 23 are kind of the process of God's discipline to them. Verse 21, he says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality. God's discipline always starts with grace. God's not up in heaven with a hammer waiting to just hit somebody, all right? He says, look, I've given her time. I want the best for her. But not only is she hurting herself, she's hurting those around her. He said, I've given her time to repent of her her immorality, but she's unwilling. Verse 22, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways, And most scholars think that doesn't mean literally that, but those who just kind of joined in in what she's teaching. He says, I will strike her children dead, meaning again, those who are listening to her teaching. Look what he says. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to their deeds. Look at what he's saying. Hey, first I give you time to repent. And then if you don't repent, then I'm gonna get involved and bring some pain into your life, hoping that makes a difference. And then if that doesn't, I'm just going to use you as a bad example. And I heard someone say, God uses everyone, even if it's only as a bad example. I don't want to be that. So then verse 24. So now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. A lot of times when people want to justify their actions, they act like they're smarter than everyone else. And what I have found is that the, the wisest people in the world usually just have a whole lot of practical common sense. And probably what Jezebel was doing is, well, you don't understand what the Bible really means. No, the Bible means exactly what it says. All right. So he says, the so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and dash into pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father... I will also give him the morning star. And I love verse 29. Basically, he's saying, Man, just pay attention. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, we want to talk about that this morning the fact that God disciplines his children so that we can reach our full potential in him. And, and here's the thing a couple of things about discipline. First of all, discipline is really guidance. It doesn't necessarily have to be harsh. It doesn't have to be painful. God's discipline is God pointing us or trying to push us in the right direction. It's basically kind of like a GPS. God is trying to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And every once in a while, sometimes more than every once in a while, we get off track and God says, hey, recalculating. Don't you like how polite that lady is? when you kind of take a wrong turn. And it's always a lady. That's how I know that a single guy invented GPS because married guys already have a lady in the car telling them where to go. And guys, if you amen that, you're in so much trouble. That was kind of a test. And so, you know, and and so God is, when, when he talks about discipline, God is saying, hey, let's recalculate right now. Let's get back where we need to be. And so discipline doesn't always have to be harsh. It's God trying to lead us in the right direction, tell us where to go. But here's the thing, our ability to accept God's discipline depends on our willingness to recognize who God is and who we are. Our ability to respond to God's discipline depends on our ability to recognize who God is and who we are. When we understand God's infinite wisdom, that God always knows what's best, even when it doesn't make sense to us, the way God is telling me to go, he always knows what's best, and here's what makes that even better. Not only does he always know what's best, he always wants the best for us the road that God is leading us down, no matter how uncomfortable it seems at the moment, in the end, it's the very best that we could absolutely ever hope for. And so when we understand that, then we understand when we get off track and God disciplines us to bring us back, that is a blessing. That is God's kindness. In fact, over time, we become thankful for that. And when I was thinking about this week, I realized, gratefulness for discipline is a sign of maturity gratefulness for discipline is a sign of maturity kids never want to be disciplined they just want to do whatever they want they just want to experience the moment and and one reason they have no sense of, of a greater purpose it's all about right now but most of us remember a time when we were disciplined and we couldn't stand it but now we're older. And we look back at that parent or that coach or that teacher or that boss that told us some things we didn't want to hear and made us do some things we didn't want to do. We didn't enjoy it at the time, but now we're thankful for it. Come on, how many of you have experienced that? It's the same thing spiritually. When we get to a place, we begin to understand who got it. And again, I'm not talking about so-called deep secrets. I mean just understanding what the Bible says and agreeing with it and trusting it and saying, Lord, I know that you know what's best. I know that you want the best for me. So if you're bringing discipline into my life, it's for my own good. And so we understand God's love, we understand God's wisdom, but there's another piece to responding to discipline correctly, and that is fear of God. There's got to be a healthy fear. And I think, again, because some people think God is just up in heaven with a hammer, just waiting to mess up. So that's a wrong feeling. So sometimes we overcompensate and kind of take that fear out. But Proverbs says this, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And a little bit of fear is healthy. A little bit of fear for kids and their parents. It's healthy. It's healthy. I remember when I was a kid, I I was about 15, 16 years old, just got my license, was able to kind of go out with my friends. And so my dad pulled me aside one day. And my my dad's a pastor. So some people called him Pastor Green, but those who knew him well called him Bubba. All right. He's from Central, North Baton Rouge. He's actually from Dixie. We lived in Central. And so they called him Bubba. So he pulled me aside one day and he said, son, look, You're driving now, you're going out with your friends, your mom and I are not there. They're gonna be doing things that you know we don't agree with, that we don't think are good for you, and they're gonna be encouraging you to do all that. He says, when you're in that situation and trying to figure out what to do, I want you to remember one thing. You gotta come home to Bubba Green, and they don't. (laughs) And let me tell you something, Bubba Green didn't play. You know those WWJD bracelets, what would Jesus do? I had a bracelet, what will Bubba do to me? All right. And so I would get in those situations and I would make a decision, not because I was holy or righteous, because I wanted to live to see 16. All right. And so it's the same thing with God. Again, God is not up in heaven just waiting to punish us. All right. But he a little bit of fear of what he might do is healthy. My, my son just turned 15 years old. I have a teenager in my house now, which is is amazing. I heard one guy say that teenagers are God's revenge on mankind. See how you like it to create something in your own image that denies your existence. And I found out that's true. I've learned a lot, you know, even even from the Bible. So I used to read the Bible and think, man, in Genesis, how in the world could Abraham agree to sacrifice his 12-year-old son till I had a 13-year-old son? And I understood it. So he's kind of, he's in the same spot that I was then. And, and I, I, one day we were talking about friends and you know how important it was to hang out with the right people. It helps you make the right choices. Of course, we, we talked about Christian friends and those that have the same spiritual values that you do. But I tell him this, I said, son, I want you hanging out with kids who are afraid of their parents. That's who I want you with because I know y'all are gonna think twice before you do something. And it's the same thing spiritually. As we talk about discipline, and how to respond to it in the right way, there is a fear aspect that's part of that. Here's the good news. God only disciplines his children. God only disciplines his children. That means if God is disciplining me, and we're gonna talk in a second about how to maybe recognize it and what that means. If if there's God's discipline in my life, that means that he loves me, it means that I'm his, and that he is taking me to a better place. May not be pleasant at the time, but he's got a plan for my life. And I love this passage. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. And it talks about this. The writer of Hebrews says this, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Now he's about to talk about discipline. He's about to talk about pain. He's about to talk about being uncomfortable. But he says, remember, these are encouraging words because it means you're headed in the right direction. You're headed to a better place. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. If I'm getting disciplined, that's good news. And he punishes each one, what? He accepts. If God is disciplining me, that means he loves me and he accepts me. And that's great news. Look at verse seven. As you endure this divine discipline, remember, that God is treating you as His own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? The writer of Hebrews has never been to Walmart, all right? And I know people have said that about my kids, that's why I don't bring them to Walmart. He says if God doesn't discipline you as He does all of His children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really His children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more? To the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever. But our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline, look at this, is always good for us. It's painful, it's uncomfortable, it is always good for us. I love this next phrase so that. That is such an important phrase in the Bible. We can make it through anything if we'll understand the so that. This is happening so that this can happen. And I can't get to that without this. So that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who were trained in this way. So the good news about discipline is if God is disciplining enough, disciplining us, that's a hard word to say, all right? It means that he loves us, he accepts us, we're his children, and he is taking us to a place we could never get on our own. We're exactly where he wants us to be. Now, here's the thing. We talked about understanding who God is. We have to understand who we are. It's hard to admit that we need discipline. It's hard to admit that. We don't want to change. We, we like what we're doing. And it, it's kind of like this. If, you know, I hear people say every once in a while, you know, the church needs to preach on sin more. What they really mean is the church needs to preach on everyone else's sin more. Nobody wants us to preach on their sin. It's always somebody else. I mean, how many times you've been sitting in church and think, man, I know about five people need to hear this message, all right? When really I'm the one that needed to hear this message. And, but we have to understand, not only recognize who God is, that he loves us, Uh, that he is a God of awe, that we should fear him. We have to understand who we are. And here's the truth about all of us. Our natural response to God's plan for our life is to drift and disobey. That's just who we are. We have a natural tendency to drift and disobey. And here's what I mean by drift. I think a lot of times it's drifting. We don't even know that it's happening. I know you've heard that, uh, that illustration a million times. You know, you're at the beach, you're playing in the water, you've moved a hundred yards one direction and didn't even realize it till you look back at the beach. And that will happen in our life. We'll miss a Sunday of church, come back, then miss a couple, then come back. Then there's three, four in a row. before we, Before we know it, there's been a whole year. Maybe we haven't been in God's house. Man, we're we're diligent in the morning, reading his word, praying, you know, it's affecting our day. Man, one day we go on a trip, leave it alone. Then we kind of sleep in kind of late nights and it's a week we haven't read the Bible. Come back a couple days, it's a month we haven't read the Bible. Before long, we've drifted. We haven't read God's word in a year. Or maybe we even get involved in kind of a wrong crowd. And first we're around people that are doing the wrong things, but we don't want to be part of that. And we all kind of try it out a little bit. And before long, we're getting involved in something we always hated before. And we have a tendency just to drift. That's why God through discipline has to bring us back. But let's be honest, sometimes it's drifting. Sometimes it is just straight up disobedience. We know God's plan for our life. We know what the word says. We know what he wants. We just don't want to do it. We want to go this direction. And because we all have that tendency, it doesn't matter how nice we look, we get dressed up on Sunday morning, all right? We all have a tendency, our sin nature, to drift and disobey. God has to bring discipline into our life. So what does discipline look like? I wrote down four things. Uh, First is this. God, the first step of discipline is he speaks to us through his word and his spirit. He speaks to us through his word and his spirit. Psalm 119 says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Remember we said discipline is guidance. It doesn't necessarily have to be harsh. God doesn't want to bring pain in our life. So the first thing he did is he gave us his word. Everything we need to know for God's plan for our life, it's in this book. And the more time we will spend in this book, the less time we will spend recalculating the less time we will spend experiencing God's discipline. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us in our spirit. And look, I, I, I'm like you, man. I get a little nervous sometimes when I hear people, you know, talking to God like I talk to my friends on the phone. Like them and God are just texting and Facebook messaging all day long. You know, God told me this and I put, haha, God, that was so funny. What about this? And there's kind of, I get a little nervous about all that, all right? But here's the thing. You know, you've heard this before. People don't mind when you say you talk to God. They think you're crazy when what? Or when, God, when you say God talks back. At HPC, we're crazy. We believe God speaks to us. And as we spend time in his word, and here's the thing, and spend time in prayer, and spend time in worship, I believe God will speak to our hearts when we start maybe heading in a wrong direction or praying about something or we're trying to figure out what to do, God will lead us in the right direction. So he's the first part of discipline really is not even discipline. He speaks to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit and tries to lead us where he wants us to go. The second part is this. We don't listen to that. Then he goes to step two. He frustrates our life. And I thought for a long time about which word to use there. And that's the best I could come up with because have you ever just been frustrated and you don't know why? Like you just don't know why your marriage is not clicking like it used to. Just don't know why there's not peace in your house like it used to be. Just don't know why, man, you're doing all the same things you used to do 10 years ago when business was booming and now it's just not booming, all right? Now, sometimes that is God frustrating our life so we'll pay attention to something that's there that we're not supposed to be a part of. Now look, it's not always that way, all right? And that's why you need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes life is just difficult. Sometimes there are circumstances. But sometimes God has to frustrate us to get us to pay attention. I think the greatest example of this in the Bible is Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. He got on a boat going the other direction and God sent a storm so that boat couldn't get where he wanted it to go. Sometimes God sends that storm in our life and we can't figure out why our boat, why our ship is not headed in the right direction. And it's because God is trying to get us to wake up. Sometimes he closes doors in our life and we can't figure it out. Now look, sometimes he closes doors because he knows what's on the other side. He do not want that from us. But sometimes he closes doors because God will not bless disobedience. We're trying to figure out, Lord, why is your blessing not on my life? Why does it not seem to be there? God's saying, because I can't bless disobedience. Disobedience brings discipline. So sometimes God has to do this. You know, as I thought about this, especially about discipline. So we got our family, we got a dog this summer. And so they kind of broke me down. I didn't want one, but I figured I can't keep the house clean anyways we got four boys. It can't smell any worse than it does now. So we just, we went ahead and got a dog, and, and he is full on, like he is just wired. And so I'm trying to train him on stuff. And one of the things that he does when he is outside, he doesn't want to come inside. I don't know if you ever had that problem before. And so I do everything. I mean, we, we got this trainer to come out and I do everything that I can think of. You know, I, you know, his name's Logan, you know, come here, Logan. I'll talk to him nice. I'll yell at him mean. I'll go get his treats, and I've seen him. I think he's smarter than I am, because I'll pull those treats out, and he'll look at me, and I can see the wheels turning. Which do I want? Treats are outside. Treats are outside. And he'll just stay there. He's like, I know you're giving me treats later anyways, so I'm staying. And so, but here's what I figured out. He doesn't like to be outside by himself. He wants me out there. So sometimes he'll run around, and I can't even see him. And I've learned to do this. I'll open up the door and close it. And all of a sudden, man, he comes running over and He doesn't want to be out there by himself. So here's what I learned, all right? He only responds to a closed door. I think sometimes God has figured that out about us. We only respond. When life's going good, man, we don't want to listen. man. Why, why should we change? Why should we change what we're doing? And sometimes God has to close some doors in our life. He has to frustrate us to get us to pay attention. He's trying to get our attention. Uh, number three. So sometimes he, he speaks to us, sometimes he frustrates us. The third one is this. He will expose our sin and it's all out of love. Remember, all this is so that we can share in his holiness. We can reap a harvest of righteousness. And if he's frustrating us and man, we don't respond to that, God will expose our sin. God will let everyone know what we're doing. Sometimes we're involved in something that we shouldn't be involved in as long as we keep it a secret, it's really hard to stop. And we'll try to keep it between us and God. We'll try to manage. And look, here's the thing. Sometimes we don't let anyone know because we like it and we don't want to stop. We don't want anybody to tell us to stop. All right? It's like when you don't give your financial planner the whole budget because you got the stuff you want to spend. You don't want to tell you no. All right? Sometimes we just don't want to stop. But sometimes it's not like that. And this one, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Romans 7, and I'm not going to quote it, but go back and read that, because Paul is so honest. Paul says this, I hate what I do. I don't understand why I do what I do. I want to do good, and then I turn around and I do evil. And he ends up saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? And I think everyone in here has felt like that at one time in their life. Man, we're involved in something, we are doing something, and we can't stand it, but we can't stop. And we're too ashamed to tell anyone, and so it continues, and the guilt mounts. And sometimes in situations like that, out of love for us, out of mercy and grace, God exposes us. And it is painful and it is shameful, but it is God's grace on our life. It is God once again saying, hey, let's recalculate. I had you on this path, I need to get you back to this path. So sometimes he'll frustrate us and he hopes we respond to that. If we don't respond to that, he may expose us. And the last thing is this, and this is the hardest one. Sometimes God gives us over to ourselves. He says, you know what, you wanna go that route? Go that route. I'm trying to save you from the pain that I know is down the road. And I'm trying to give you the fulfillment and meaning and joy that I know is down this road. But if you don't wanna listen to me and you don't wanna respond to me, then just go on. Just go do whatever you wanna do. One of the worst things that God can do to us is hand us over to ourselves. That that, that is the ultimate punishment. In fact, I wanna read a a couple passages of scripture because it's kind of a strange thing to think about. But in Romans chapter one, And here Paul is talking about the sin of the world. He's lumping us all into one category and saying kind of how sin happens. And he says this, Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. Doesn't that sound like the world that we're living in? Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. And and as you read Romans 1, it's kind of this, This process of sin getting greater and greater and greater. And finally, God's punishment is not that he wiped them out. God's punishment is that he just let them go on. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul, who wrote Romans as well, he gets specific. And there was actually an issue in the Corinthian church with a man who was involved with sin, just like this woman in Thyatira. And they had done everything they could to get him to come to his senses, but he didn't. And so look what Paul says, and this is harsh. Then you must throw this man out. He means out of the church. And hand him over to Satan. You think, God, why would you say that? I mean, that's harsh. Why would you hand him over to Satan? And there's that phrase again. So that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Even when God hands us over to ourselves, it is God being merciful. It is God trying to bring us back on that right path. Everything God does is for the purpose of redemption. And sometimes it's only pain that can make us change. You know, it's the, it's the parable of the prodigal son that went out and did everything he could until he found himself in a pig pen one day. God says, you know, I'm going to let you go out there and I'm going to leave you alone. But when you come to your senses, I'll be right here waiting and I will run to you. And that's, that's God's discipline. He brings us back. It's important to understand that each step is grace. It's grace when God frustrates us. It's a blessing when he exposes us. It's grace even when he gives us over to himself. God always chooses restoration because of his grace. So I want to close with this. Why does he do that? Why does God discipline us? I think three reasons. Number one, He loves us, and he doesn't want to see us go in the wrong direction. He knows the pain that's at the end of the road that we're traveling. Even when we don't recognize it, especially if it's just a drift, it doesn't seem so bad at first, but he knows where that road is going. He sees the future. And so he's willing to bring a short amount of pain into our life to save us from a great amount of pain later because he loves us. The second thing is this. He wants us to live a fruitful and purposeful life. He doesn't want us to just exist. He wants us to live a life that has a meaning. You know, I call this the gold medal life. It sounds crazy because I've never done anything close to a gold medal, all right? But I think about people that go in the Olympics and their goal is the gold medal. And they've got four years of training. I've thought about that. So when them and their friends kind of go out to eat on Friday night, Their friends can eat anything they want. Pizza, chocolate cake, Coke, ice cream, whatever. Because their mindset is just kind of, man, it doesn't really matter. What is it gonna hurt? Let's have fun. They don't really have any purpose that they're thinking towards. I'm in that group, all right? But someone that's going after the gold medal, their decision process is different. Is this gonna help me get to where I wanna go? If it's not, then I don't want to be a part of it. You see how it's complete? And and here's the thing. Those aren't always bad things. It's it's really easy to recognize the good from the bad. Bad is easy to recognize. It's hard to recognize the great from the good. And God wants us to live great. And that's why even when we don't feel like we're in this crazy rebellion, rebellion, sin you know I'm not a drug dealer I'm not doing I not killed anybody why would God discipline me because we're not on the road that he wants us to be in he's got per, he wants us to live a life of purpose which brings us to the third thing God disciplines us so that we can reach our full potential for him God wants us to be a healing place for a hurting world God knows there's people in the inner city and down the street from us and in Africa that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he needs us firing on all cylinders. That's why sometimes we just get one degree off and think, man, what's the hurt of this? God says, no, I need you living a gold medal life because heaven and hell for somebody else are depending on you being everything that I've called you to be. And I'm willing to bring pain into your life right now so I can bring eternity into their life later. And so that God will frustrate our life. He will discipline us. He will expo- He'll do whatever He has to do. God loves us enough that He will do whatever He has to do to get us back. You know, one thing that I've noticed, you know, we've, you guys know Roxanne and I's journey, and so I've spent some time in the hospital lately. And, and here's what I've noticed doctors don't really care if you're comfortable right now they want you healed later and I've seen pay and I'm one of them don't do that that hurts they don't even care they don't even have a conversation a little pressure bam they don't care about any of that they're not concerned with your comfort now they will do whatever they have to do to save your life They will do whatever they have to do to get you healed. God is the same way. He doesn't care that it's uncomfortable. He doesn't care that it's not what we want. He doesn't care that it's painful. What He wants us is to live that 320 life exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that we could ask or imagine according to His glory. That's what God wants for us. And He's willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.